Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today we're going to be speaking about a very important bill. And this bill is the Living Donor Protection Act. And I think those of us who are listening who, you know, are engaged in kidney transplantation and have had a transplant or waiting for a transplant, living donation is a very viable option. But unfortunately, there are some things that, you know, could be tweaked a little bit better to help people who decide to give the gift of life, um, living donors. So today we have Troy Zimmerman. He's the vice president for government relations at the National Kidney Foundation. And he's going to talk a little bit about this bill and what we can do to help to support it. So welcome to the show, Troy. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, Troy, tell us a little bit about, because I know you were instrumental in helping get these types of bills to Congress or get them the information so they can create a bill. And right now this bill is before the Senate and the House, which we might need to explain a little bit later. But how did you go about, you know, getting this all put together? Well, actually, it's interesting you you asked that because... Um, Congressman Nadler's office, his Congressman Nadler's staff, and he's um, a Democrat from New York City, approached us, I believe it was three years ago, and he had read an article about a living donor in a, in a different state, but it was, I, I believe the article is in the New York Times and that's where he saw it, but it was a, a donor in the Midwest, somebody who had donated his kidney, and then he ran into um, difficulties um, obtaining obtaining insurance afterwards, and the congressman staff contacted me within days of the story um, appearing, and you know ex- expressed his con- his interest and his concern about it. He said he wants to do legislation, so I went in and met with them, um, and we t- you know we talked about what a bill might look like. Now I don't recall the exact timeline, but I know it was um, many months before a bill was really uh, ready to be introduced because his staff was working closely with me and with um, with other organizations as well to you know, kind of hammer out the way the bill should look. But it was introduced, and that was in um, the previous two-year Congress. It was in uh, the summer of that year, so probably five or six months before that um, that congressional session ended, so there really wasn't time to to go any further, you know, there wasn't time to, for Congress to really consider the legislation, and there was not a Senate companion bill, so that makes it a little di- more difficult. But uh, um, they did reintroduce it uh, this past February, so a little over uh, two months ago, late February, they reintroduced it, and it's again, it's Congressman Nadler and, and uh, Congressman Burgess from Texas, and that is the bill number is HR four six one six, and the exact same legislation was introduced in the Senate um, by Senator Kirk of Illinois and Gillibrand of New York, and that bill is S-2584. So tell us a little bit about what this bill does to help protect living donors. Uh, essentially, there's two main components to it. Um, the first and probably the most significant aspect of it is it removes barriers to living organ donation by prohibiting insurance companies from denying limiting or charging higher premiums for life insurance, 
long-term care insurance, and disability insurance if they're living donors. Uh, there are no provisions for health insurance because, as many of your listeners know, um, that was addressed in the Affordable Care Act where you cannot discriminate um, based on uh, any health conditions. Um, so it, that is a significant barrier to donation. Um, at the Kidney Foundation, we certainly know of people whose insurance is either canceled or or the premiums are increased significantly um, for the mere fact that they're a, a living donor. Uh, the second thing that the uh, Living Donor Protection Act does is it would expand the Family and Medical Leave Act to include living donation so that um, the, the donors, the organ donors have job protection. Um, the Family and Medical Leave Act does not provide for paid leave for an employee, but at least it's job protection, and that too is is um, sometimes a concern for living donors or, or people who want to donate and they know they can't because of uh, job protection issues. Well, you know, what I find interesting is that, you know, when somebody donates a kidney and then people like, oh, well, they're disabled, like, what is the diagnosis? I mean, a lot of people are born with one kidney. Do they go around and scan people? Because I, I have a couple friends that I've met over the years that they only were born with one kidney, so are they disabled? <laughs> so I, I'm interested well, that's, that's what the... a very good point. A lot of times when people are born with one kidney or only... I know of, of instances where somebody only has one functioning kidney, mm-hmm. you know, and their, and their second kidney uh, does not, uh, you know, does not function whatsoever or it has, has very, very limited function. A lot of times people in that situation are totally unaware right. that they only have one kidney because the same thing with a donor. You know, once you've donated, um, you know, your your other, your second native kidney picks up the slack <laughs> right, right away and, you know, and starts working that much harder. So that's a, that's a very good point. And I think in a similar vein, you know, certainly before anybody can donate, they undergo extensive uh, medical testing. And... Mm-hmm. You know, I think everybody would would argue that living donors are probably in better overall health than you know than the average uh, or than the average person in the United States, or at least you know than than better health than a lot of people. Obviously, if they're healthy enough to donate, you know they're in good health, and they, and they cannot donate unless you've you know passed the extensive battery test and you know the, the transplant surgeon and others involved in the care are, you know, fully comfortable with you being a donor. So I think you, you raise a very good point. Well, and the thing is, is it was, and I'm sure you've heard this story a million times, but when um, I had about, I was lucky, I had about 10 people who came forward to donate a kidney to me when I needed my fourth one a little over five years ago. And so it, it was just an incredible feeling for people to want to come out and help. And, you know, it's a little overwhelming, but on a couple of occasions, I mean, the testing that the facility did or the hospital did found out that they had health problems that they didn't even know they had. And I'm sure that you hear stories about that all the time, that where somebody went to donate a kidney and it ended up saving their life because they detected a serious medical problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, you know, so <laughs> rather, you know, serendipitous that they were, that they didn't want to be a donor. But um, as you said, you know, a lot of people, in your case, in your instance, a lot of people came forward. Um, you know, but this is just this legislation would address, you know, just one or two of the, you know, many barriers that are 
possible in uh, in living donation. I mean, um, certainly, you know, job protection uh, or unpaid leave from work is an issue. Um, time off from work is something, right. you know, that could be a factor as well for people who do want to be a donor. I mean, if it requires extensive testing, especially if they have to go back and do additional tests for any reason. Um, but really, I think, you know, a lot of this starts with um, just asking, you know, to whether it's the um, patient, you know, not, you know, being intimidated or afraid to ask, um, you know, family members and friends and loved ones to donate or not knowing where to start. And, right. you know, that's not something that the Living Donor Protection Act is going to right. address, but at least if they're able to take that first step, you know, as as a kidney patient um, who who needs a, a, a transplant, then, you know, this legislation will help um, alleviate some of the concerns that uh, and barriers that could be out there. And there's enough, you know, there's enough other factors that go into it, you know, the, the time away from family, time away from work, um, you know, maybe the, you know, the concerns that a donor wants to donate, you know, an individual wants to donate, but they've got some, you know, some fears or concerns of their own. Um, there's always an issue, as you well know, of um, unreimbursed expenses that mm-hmm. are not covered by the recipient's insurance, um, you know, out-of-pocket costs that are not medical in nature, but, you know, related to the transplant. So those are things that um, the Kidney Foundation and other uh, patient organizations are trying to address, you know, through various means, but certainly um, the legislation here by Congressman Nadler and Senator Kirk, then those two being the you know the sponsors, it, we we you know we do believe that it would remove the barriers and also um, even if a prospective donor doesn't see it as a you know if they're not aware of it or if they don't consider it to be a barrier, you certainly don't want them to learn after the fact that. Their, their insurance has been canceled or, or the price has been increased. And that's life insurance, right? Because, I mean, you know, they basically have a life insurance. If you have a life insurance policy and give a, a kidney, can they cancel it? Or is it you they can. give it? They, yeah, they, they can. can. And, and I know of an example just in the... Um, from somebody that we, that, uh, we work closely with, uh, this is in about six months ago, who he's a kidney donor. He's employed full-time, probably works 50 or 60 hours a week. He's in excellent health. And when he, he told us when he got his uh, annual premium for his life insurance, the price the premium had gone up significantly because he was a donor. And that, that's what they told him. Well, and he was able well, to get that, that increase reversed when he got his uh, nephrology care team and you know healthcare providers to write letters to the insurance company to uh, assure them that he was not at any higher risk of you know health issues from being a living donor than you know than somebody else in his uh, you know in his age profile. Well, you know, because I'm confused because I you know I've never had life insurance because I'm really not a good risk I guess um, having kidney disease for since I was two. So I thought like once you got life insurance and they signed a policy, no matter what happened to you, you know, well, oh well, you you know you took a risk on me. Well, t- first it would depend on the terms of the policy. The terms, um, typically, yes. a life insurance premium is going to be set for. 
um, roughly 10 years. It depends on, on the, on the premium and the policy you choose. Um, certainly the, the smaller, the, you know, the shorter term you take, then the less expensive it'll be because, you know, you're, you're not gonna, you're gonna have it for fewer years and, um, you know, a five year term or a 10 year term or a 20 year term, if you're, you know, if you're locking into a 20 year term at say age you know, 32, then, you know, you've got greater risk of, um, health issues or, or death. Right. You know, by age 52 than if you, you know, took it out at age 32 for five years. So if, if you do have a, a set, um, policy like that for X number of years, and that's common, then you're correct. You couldn't, um, you couldn't have a price increase during that time. However, uh, certainly when you go to renew that, um, and that's common with any life insurance policy, you know, if you got at age 28, 10 years later at age 38, it's time to renew your, your application. And if they see any health conditions or any, you know, health risk that they weren't there 10 years earlier, you're going to pay more. Now, whether or not they can do it, um, within that, period of time of your tenure coverage, let's say, for example. Um, I don't know if that's possible, but it sounds to me like from the example I just cited um, from our volunteer, that's exactly what happened to him. Now, it could be, you know, there might be particular language in somebody's policy, but I can't imagine that anybody would have a life insurance policy that says, you know, thou shalt not be an organ donor. Well, and, you know, and it, it is, you have to read your policy because I had a leak in my house and, you know, the insurance adjuster came over and he goes, it was, it was a slow leak. It wasn't a fast leak. So they only covered fast leaks. So, um, and not a slow leak. So, you know, I guess <laughs> it is, it's, you know, you don't know how good your insurance policy is until you have to, I guess. well, until you have to use it. You know, I was in the airport one time talking to, oh, I have a great health insurance. You know, I'm like, well, have you ever used it? You don't know how good are your health insurance policy is until you've actually tried to use it. So, um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, how do we go to support this Living Donor Act? I mean, I called my congressman, you know, he's looking at it and, um, you know, they usually sign on. It's a little crazy election time right now. So I think people are a little preoccupied. But what do people need to do? Because we need to get co-sponsors on the bill. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, right now, there's only two co-sponsors in the Senate. Um, but, you know, it's not unusual for a bill in the Senate to only have, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 co-sponsors. Um, there are, uh, certainly more in the House when the bill was introduced in, in both the House and the Senate. There were only those that, what, what they refer to as original co-sponsors. So, um, for example, on House bill, uh, Congressman Nadler is the sponsor and Congressman Burgess was, is, considered the original, the lead original co-sponsor, so you have a Democrat and a Republican. Since then, um, they have added uh, co-sponsors. The most recent group was added about, well, within the past week. So the House bill, which again is H.R. 4616, has 23 co-sponsors. Um, so they, they've got that. You know, we'd certainly like to see more, whether it's somebody who's on uh, serves on a health committee or just, you know, if it's just a, you know, um, a member of Congress who's not on the health committee. Um, but there seems to be uh, some good interest on this. The Kidney Foundation um, hosted a, a patient advocacy event in early March, um, what we call a fly-in, 
to do um, hill visits, and this was the one of the two main things that we requested um, that our patients requested. And our advocates consisted of um, kidney recipients, dialysis patients, um, dial- kidney patients who are not yet on dialysis, their family members. We even had some living donors in, in that group as well. So we had a very broad spectrum of kidney patient advocates and, and their family members. Um, and got a lot of very, very good favorable feedback from the congressional offices that they visited with for this legislation. So um, certainly, as you said, it does help to reach out to your members. You know, As you noted, it's an election year, but sometimes that can help because yes. they're all running for re-election. They're everywhere. Or most of them are. And, and most of them you know, are. they look for things like this to do opportunities you know, that's not a significant, um, you know, reach, so I, to speak, for, you know, for legislation. And there would not be any any um, federal cost involved. You know, that was going to say, I mean, is there any cost with this bill? Because they're like, so what is wrong with the elected officials not, like, glomming on to this? I mean, it, it makes me really frustrated because this is like a no-brainer, literally a no-brainer. You're asking me to speak for and explain Congress. That's out of my... <laughs> um, <and laughs> That's a little difficult. <laughs> well, yeah, we can't get political here, but it's... Part of it is just the aware- awareness, Lori. I mean, you know, the average... Uh, well, I mean, certainly the Kinney Foundation has reached out to the congressional offices and a lot of our, um, you know, our the other patient organizations and the professional transplant societies have, but chances are, you know, the average member of Congress probably hasn't heard from more than, you know, two to five people about this bill. So I think a lot of it is this, you know, continuing to pound the pavement and, you know, get the letters and the phone calls and, the, you know, the, the emails and so forth to, uh, to your um, local members of Congress. And, and the, once they hear more about it, it'll increase their awareness of it and then hopefully you know they would see it as a, an opportunity to to help their constituents well and you know what i i would just to suggest to everybody listening is like august just go to their website and if they're running for office look for their campaign website and then just show up at one of their campaign events and put the bill in their hand and then ask them who they should follow up with um, to find out if they'll sign on. And I think if, you know, more people did that, and I'm going to make an, an effort to, on our next call, to get our members to do that and then follow up with them and then ask them why they're not going to support it. You know, I think that, um, I, I think people forget, Troy, and, you know, you, you have a, a background in um, advocacy and public policy. I I read, you know, public policy for dummies 101 and then figured out how can I make an impact. And the, our congressmen and our senators are our lobbyists. We pay them. They work for us. And I think people forget that, you know, um, and we can't be afraid to connect with them. We can't afraid to call them because... That's what I think people, like, oh, they're busy, they wouldn't want to hear. No, we're their boss. And I think the community forgets that. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I believe that, um, you know, when you do me- meet with the member of Congress, um, they're very, very interested and intrigued by um, organ donation and transplantation issues. Right. I mean, they recognize it as something that, you know, in most instances 
provides a better quality of life for the patient. Of course, in some instances, it's life-saving, but, you know, even for a kidney patient who could do dialysis, you know, the, the elected officials and their staffs, you know, recognize that that's the preferred, um, you know, treatment for, for most kidney patients. And it's not a difficult um, topic you know, to, to engage them on. And you made a very good point about going to campaign events or, you know, or trying to schedule something in their, um, one of their state offices in August when they're home for that extended congressional break. That's a very good idea. All the congressman has to do or the senator is once they read it, pick up the phone and call the sponsor and say, add my name. So they don't even literally have to do anything other than pick up the phone and say, or send an email saying, hey, we're going to be a co-sponsor, and then they, they add their name. So it's a very little ask, and, um, you know, I think it's important for all of us to get out there on the horn and, you know, help support living donors because they're, the number is growing of people giving the gift of life. Um, uh, deceased donors are, you know, I think somewhat flat in the country because, you know, it's it's people are living longer. There's different things that are happening that I've heard different stories of why that is. But, um, you know, it's it's an incredible gift. So with that, um, I, I imagine people can go to kidney.org and look up this bill, the Living Donor Protection Act. We have an advocacy page on our website and they can find information on it. Uh, there and, and how to contact their member of Congress. And we have one as well. And and if you don't know your congressman, I'm I'm mad at you right now. Who's ever listening and you don't know your congressman, you need to get with it because we got Medicare from con- Congress. And <laughs> um, we need to thank them every day for getting Medicare to people who have kidney disease. So we need to be more engaged. And um, if you send me an email and tell me that you're met with your congressman, I'll forgive you. With that, Troy, I think um, this is some great information. Any closing thoughts that you would like to share with the audience? Uh, certainly thank them for their interest, and I, I would say don't be discouraged. Um, I think that the members of Congress are looking for things like this that they can support. As I said in our um, av- patient advocacy fly-in, we had a lot of very, very good feedback, and we're actually, you know, we're, we've been following up with some of those offices trying to re-engage them and, you know, remind them the bill's been introduced and, and that we need their support. So I would just encourage you to, you know, as you said, Lori, you know, the, those can, the elected officials work for the, pa- for the patients and for the constituents, so don't be discouraged. Yeah, there are lobbyists, you know. Absolutely. And um, with that, uh, go out there and let them know that kidney disease and living donation is important. So thank you, Troy. I appreciate your dedication to people who have kidney disease and helping make our lives better. Well, we appreciate yours as well, and I'm glad to have had this opportunity. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.